Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan. This is the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Mike Ventola. He is a media relations manager and professional sports broadcaster for the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs. Mikey V, welcome to episode 23 of the American Grown Podcast. It is absolutely exciting to be with you here, Sully. Um, It's just bringing back a lot of cool memories right now from our time together uh, with the Reading Fight and Phils. Um, Thank you so much for having me, and uh, just great kind of being back here on Lebanon, um, where I got a chance to experience a little bit during my time uh, with the R-Phils. I really appreciate you making the trip roughly, what, an hour and a half from Allentown? Yeah, about an hour and a half. uh, But right across 78, I came down then... um, Got a, you get on. I got off exit. I think what was it? Exit eight. Yeah. And then you get on twenty two for a little bit, and then I got on the State Road what three forty three and took it right to town. Okay. Beautiful the scenery. It is drop dead gorgeous. A lot of farms. Uh, it's yeah. especially with the sun setting. Not to yeah. sound corny. No, no, but no. It was yeah. awesome. Well, no, thank really you. Really awesome. Thanks for coming. I'll make sure to when you leave, I'll hook you up with some uh, the world famous Shuey's pretzels. Yes. <laughs> I figured you'd remember those from Absolutely. your time at the fightings. So, I actually, I look back at the form. You were actually the third person to fill out the form almost a year ago, back uh, in February of mm-hmm. last year. Um, so, this has been, like, a long time coming. It has you been. Know, it really has. For the listeners out there, uh, Mikey and I met at the Ring Fight and Fills back in 2017. Yep. I was a, a photographer here at Blue Cardinal Photography looking to, you know, kind of push my limits and see what I could do. And I wanted to st- photograph some uh, professional sports especially baseball kind of get to that next level we have a mutual friend ryan springborn springy. shout out to springy and the, and the gang there nelly and pigs all those guys yeah and it was funny because it, it was an interesting time for me because after the 2016 season i was transitioning from just being the lead radio announcer for the fight and fills and then also then getting taken on full-time to oversee the public and media relations and and kind of just be like a, not just a voice for the team, but also kind of be a face as well too. So many different aspects to the role. And I know with Ryan Springborn at the time, um, with his relationship with you and your dad and everybody here at, um, at color tech, knowing that you guys were eventually going to become out the program, um, you know, supplier, essentially, you know, laying out the program, put, you know, and getting it pr- uh, printed for our fans. But then, you know, I think it was to Ryan saying, Hey, Sully, you know, and some of the guys at Blue Cardinal, which work closely with Color Tech, take uh, pictures. So, and that was just good enough for me. You know, I think the only thing I felt bad was I couldn't pay you uh, a good. Uh, the, I paid you the best I could, oh, but no, yeah. but it was. But you know what, you you and George Youngs and yeah, um, yep. you know, the two of you just coming on in and uh, taking the bull by the horns, and George is having the time of his life over oh, there, man. Yeah, he is. He's like <laughs> he's. I think he lives there sometimes. He him, does. And him and his wife Betsy, and you know, for me, and I think George would agree, it wasn't about. Uh, it wasn't about the money you know, it was right. the experience it was the time um and it was fun it's, it's what we like to do you yes. know sports photography now, of course since 2020 COVID hit you know and, and at least my story with the writing fight and fills still in touch with them still doing the print work um okay. now the 
game day programs have kind of been put on hold for an online version, which boo, sorry, spring in guys. I know you have no control. It We're sounds... doing the same thing with the, are you, so are don't... you guys? Okay. Yeah, it's... it's tough. Cause I feel like a lot of the fans really look forward to that. You know, it's a cost cutting situation. I'll be blunt here. I know I'm technically off the clock and, you know, forgive me, uh, Kurt Landis, my president and GM, uh, and as well as to Scott Hunsinger, two yeah. of the best minor league Great GMs guys. ever worked in my, uh, worked for in my life. Um, but I feel like, you know, when it comes to the game programs, it's cool to kind of see fans have it in hand. But nowadays, everybody's on their phone. They can look it on their phone. So I, I get both sides. Yeah, true. And and like I said, COVID, obviously there wasn't a season in 2020. And then 2021, I kind of stepped back. And George, like you said, is just growing there and, and loving it. Um, and my wife and I, uh, you might know, uh, just had a baby girl. Yes. Parker. So whatever free time I had is now work, you know, and 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 being at home which is beautiful i mean you and courtney great people and obviously for parker gonna be growing up in a beautiful home so congratulations to you guys and uh you know and to your listeners too that you know listen know you know your dad know know the company and know everything um you're great people and that's why i say i'll say it again that's why i was telling people coming into uh talking with you like why go i said when i said there are certain people in life that you get to meet you you don't get to see often but they invite you back in their lives for whatever reason. You take advantage of it. So for me, this was a golden opportunity to come and just talk with a guy that I really enjoyed working with uh, during my time yeah. with the R Phils and got a chance to know and and um, you know and plus two uh, kind of get in the car and just think my thoughts driving out this way too. It's nice, man. Um, I've been to Pottsville. You know, I drive to Pottsville from time to time near Cabela's and whatnot. Yeah, one of my best friends from college lives in Enola, just outside of Harrisburg. Oh, yeah. So I like driving down this end of. Interstate 78, so it's always nice with the scenery coming down this way. One last thing before we really start to jump into it, and I'll tell my story and then I want to get your story, because on the forum to be on the podcast for the listeners, and anyone could be on, uh, anyone could be a guest, I I truly believe everyone has a story to tell, Um, whether you don't have to be a business owner, but whether you're a business owner, nonprofit, you know, friend, veteran, police officer, firefighter, whatever it is, American Grown Podcast is always open and willing to have you come on, you just have to fill out a form, and then on the form... We actually share a similar fear, which I, I'll be honest, probably the one thing I'm the most scared of is roller coasters. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just terrified of them. And there's actually a, a poster over there on the side of uh, Disney. Um, it was the Mount Everest. And you can see my wife and I there and I'm just I'm yelling. Uh, so where it started for me and then I want to get your take on it was at Hershey Park. My mm-hmm. dad took me. I was, I was young, maybe gosh, eight, nine. You know, I was, I've always been a bigger guy. So even though I was a bigger guy. I, I was I was young at age, but but big, you know what I mean, big kid. And uh, it was the Wildcat, yes, the wooden roller coaster, the Wildcat. And there's a picture somewhere that he has. Uh, it's one of those keychain pictures, cause, you know, they always sell mm-hmm. them there at the end. And I am just yelling, freaking out, sliding under the rail. My dad's laughing, having the time of his life. And I think that's what did it for me. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. See, you are braver than I. Okay. See, I have only been on a couple of coasters in my life. See, apologize if I'm a little long-winded here. So my parents um, made a decision years ago. My parents have been together uh, 43 years, married 39, and I have an older brother and a younger sister. They made a choice years ago. They felt like their kids were either going to be Disney World kids or Jersey Shore kids. Okay. We were Disney World kids. So my parents... um, they have a summer home just out eight miles away from Disney World outside of Orlando. They got a place back in 95, and we've been there ever since. 
been fortunate enough, blessed enough that my older brother, my sister, and I grew up going to Walt Disney World. And then when the, when we got a little older, started going to Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure and all that good stuff. So I have a terrible fear of heights. Okay. It's really bad. Um, it, not in the sense where I will like break down and shake back and forth and cry in a corner. Yeah. But I just shut down. Like you'll, you would see me be like, Mike's not right. Like I won't yell or scream or cry, but I'll just shut down as a human being. And you know, because... For folks who don't know me, I'm a very energetic person. Oh, yeah. I am 100 miles an hour. You got times. energy. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And so going to, you know, Ma- the Magic Kingdom, you had Space Mountain, and I just never went on because one was in the dark. Uh huh. Not and I, and I, not that my parents used to say, "Oh God, you don't go on your head." I go, "I want to see where I'm going." Yeah, yeah. And then getting a little older, too, growing up, going uh, near Dorney Park by me in the Lehigh Valley. I just look at them now and my heart just goes a little quicker. So I yeah. can't do it. So, but the ironic thing is I have been on per se some roller coasters, but nothing to the effect of what a true roller coaster is where you can do big dips or whatnot. It took, a, it literally took me, um, to go on my first coaster, I wouldn't even call it a full-blown roller coaster, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad at Magic Kingdom. It's right next okay. to Splash Mountain. Yep. And um, my best friend growing up sadly passed away. Um, when I was 11, he was 12. He had glioblastoma. Okay. Terrible diagnosis. Uh, for those who don't know, it's brain cancer. And he, um, part of Make-A-Wish was he wanted to go to Walt Disney World and go to Universal oh, Studios. That's awesome, yeah. And um, being we were best friends... Um, his family said, we want the Ventolas to come along. So we all went and it literally took, he want, he, it literally took my best friend who was dying Yeah, and he went on the coaster. It took me to get enough courage to go wow. on and go on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And for those of you who've been to Magic Kingdom, it's a great coaster. I, I've gone on it now because it's, I mean, it's fast, but it doesn't go on your head. But like right, right. anything that is like a million miles high. Dips, drops, yep, yep. upside down, yep. forget Loop about it. Loops. People said, and I'm sure this has been told you a few times, yeah, yeah. like, Sully, would you go on it for like a million dollars? Nah, nah, the money's not worth right. the money. <laughs> no. 10 million? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. 100 mil? <laughs> Let me get drunk and high and then I'll go on. <laughs> Let me get a couple of bourbons in me, a couple of proper exactly. 12. Yeah, then I'll, then I'll think about it. But yeah, yeah. wow. So dude, I just thought that was something because, you know, a well, lot of my buddies would be like, oh, yeah, let's go to Hershey Park, get, get in the roller coasters. Even now, you know, right. my father would be like, come on, get on, you wuss. And I'm like, that. And, he, you know, he loves me. Don't get me wrong for of the course. listeners out there. But uh, it's a little razzle, razzle kind of thing. And, and my wife, she likes them too and just can't do it. Like uh, Hershey, they have a new one. I forget the name. It's it's a Reese's something, I think, but uh, for uh, the Reese's Cups. But literally, it's just it's just that straight drop. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Oh, thank you. No, no, I can't do it. I can't. Yeah, it's um for me. You know, I tell people, I go, you want to take me to any sort of amusement park because I'm a good bag holder. I said I'm 34 now, right. so I'm going to be 35 in April. Like I'm at the point where I don't have to be embarrassed anymore. Like, right. Okay. I don't go on, but I go on. All, I go on all the other stuff. Yeah. You know, I just anything that's a roller coaster. Forget about it. Forget like, about it. I, yeah, yeah, I but, can't be bothered with it. I like that. I have to use that excuse. Hey, honey, I hold your bag. You know, I'll hold exactly. The bag. You I'll guys... hold the purse. Yeah. I've, I've hold many a purse <laughs> right. in my day, and people yeah. look at me. I go, I don't care. Whatever. Right. So let me ask you this: Being uh, like a Disney family, I find yeah. that interesting. Have you ever gone on or? Oh, well, t- two questions now. I'm thinking about it. So there's the rock and roller coaster. Yes. Have you gone on that one? Nope. 
Nope. They tr- they almost, my family almost got me on it. Almost tricked you? Until I overheard that you, you shoot like 65 miles yeah. an hour into a loop. Then I said, nope, forget yep. about it. I'm out. See, okay. <laughs> and hopefully the listeners don't get bored of this, but th- I got to tell you, I, went, I, I was tricked on that ride with my father. This was back... Uh, 2012 the family okay. went down for disney uh to disney 2011 2012 and uh yeah rock and coaster i knew it went fast and he's like don't worry it'll be fun blah 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 well it was terrifying and i just remember <laughs> like screaming they have music blaring in your ears um aerosmith I think. aerosmith yep. yeah yep so i was just singing along that eyes closed the whole time i didn't look at anything so i i don't even know what the inside looks like and i think they're tearing it down soon for a marvel ride i think or something yeah that's what i heard yeah something's happening so okay well good you didn't have to experience that trauma but how about um tower of terror because that that goes up high i see that one i muster a little bit more courage because at that point yes the drops annoy me and i get that front because i hate i hate losing my stomach but i guess in that you're not going super fast like you're literally sitting in a cart they move you around you go room to room then all of a sudden you go up yeah, you go down. Yeah, it's go. not as bad, and it's indoors. Yeah, like so that doesn't bother me. I know they open up the doors when you're up top, and you like see all of the yep. Hollywood Studios at that point. But I just close my eyes, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> exactly. <buddy." laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah. So yeah. I can muster enough courage for that, but no, when it comes to um, um, when it comes to the rocket roller coaster, forget about it. The closest I get onto a coaster now, okay, uh, for you Harry Potter fans out there, I'm a Harry Potter goober. Oh wow, I at, didn't know that. At Universal Studios, they have it because um, it they have two theme parks: Universal Studios and then uh, Islands of Adventure. Um, Diagon Alley, they have the Gringotts ride. You literally get in a it's a indoor coaster, but the only coaster parts in the beginning. You pull up, you got your 3D glasses on, Yeah, characters are going back and forth. Next thing you know, someone casts a spell and boom, you drop. But you don't drop far. Oh, you okay. go fast, but yeah. you, but then you drop. And then before you know it, it screens because there it's a lot of simulators at, at Universal. Okay. They, like to, never they do a lot of big yeah. screens, 3D stuff. So if you get motion sickness... You're in a tough Oof. spot. Yeah, that'd be, be a bad. lot of motion sickness. Yeah, that'd, be, so. that'd be rough. So we share that in common. Yes, That's like some common ground for sure. And uh, let's let's get into your life, your life Ugh. story, your background. Tell us about growing up in the Garden State. So my family, yeah, goes back to the Garden State. Um, I was born um, in uh, Overlook Hospital in Summit, New Jersey. So that's it's kind of like northern New Jersey. So if you were to come from you know, if you're listening from Lebanon, imagine heading towards like the Lehigh Valley and then from the Lehigh Valley, it's almost like you're trying to drive to like MetLife Stadium to go see either the New York Giants yeah. or the New York Jets play. Kind of in, heading in that direction per se. I lived in New Jersey till I was about nine years old. So I have an older brother. Um, he's married with two children. They live in uh, Jupiter, Florida, and I have a younger sister. Her, uh, she just recently got married. Her and her husband, they live in Clark, New Jersey. So when my my parents got married, I think it was I think I was maybe around three or four. My mom's dad, my grandpa died, so we took in uh, my grandmother. She was an invalid; she had crippling arthritis. Okay. So she needed someone to take care of her. So we took her in. We lived in um, we lived in Branchburg, New Jersey, kind of near like Somerville, Bridgewater, New Jersey, not too far from like uh, the Somerset Patriots minor league baseball team is. And anyways. When my grandmother died in, on Father's Day in 97, and I was nine, and she lived in the nanny wing of the house. Okay. And what happened was, I was like scared to go down the wing, like she had her own bathroom, and I, my mom would have to send me in there for, you know, that's any of us, you know, 
might go into grandma's room. I need something, you know, settle stuff or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It got to a point where my parents then said, look, we're going to take our next step here. You know, um, we want to get the kids ready for, because my brother was 11, I was nine, my sister was five. We have to get their education in, good spot, in a good place. So they ended up settling in Easton, Pennsylvania, where I currently live now. Um, and because my mom used to do business, my parents met um, in the same industry. My dad um, is a VP of sales. He sells a lot of electrical equipment, conduit. Okay. You know, He's at construction sites, things of that nature. And my mom, that's how they met years ago. My mom used to call on businesses in the Lehigh Valley. And my mom used to do, back then, used to make your sales calls from pay phones. She used to make her wow. calls from, now Larry Holmes, three-time world heavyweight boxing yeah. champion. He's from Easton, PA. Great guy. He had his uh, business, you know, and he's still in Easton to this day. Um, I see him in restaurants all the time. It's, yeah. it's the best. And he used to make, she used to make his call, make her calls from like, you know, pay phone by his office. So she always said to my dad, let's look at Easton. It was still close enough to their families. And we, and my parents, if they were sitting here saying we moved out to Pennsylvania for two reasons, we felt like it was a great place to raise the children and also too, because Mike was deathly afraid of, you know, that the nanny wing of the house where my grandmother died. She, we brought her home from the hospital, Father's Day 97. She had pancreatic cancer. She literally died in front of us. So oh, wow. I, I was deathly afraid. I loved my, we, my grandmother was the sweetest woman in the world. And, um, you know, and then from there we moved out to Pennsylvania and, um, I was in the fourth grade and went through elementary school, middle school, graduated from Eastern area high school, uh, go red Rovers back in uh, 2006. And, um, from there, I was able to, you know, and it's funny, despite my career, and I know you'll want to ask me more about that, it's taken me around the country, and I've kind mm-hmm. of done different things, but I've always kind of found my way back uh, to Easton and to the Lehigh Valley. What was it like growing up in Lehigh Valley, and like you put it best, uh, in an Italian-American family household? Well, it's fun- Well, it's funny, everyone, they, with the vowel on the end of my last name, yes, growing up as an Italian-American my dad's 100% Italian. Now, my mom, she's German-Slovak. So, technically, I'm 50% Italian, 25% German, and 25% Slovak. But, you know, my dad's family was very uh, overbearing in a lot of ways. But it was a loving family. I remember growing up, Sunday dinners were always yeah. the big to-do. And my, my my dad's parents, back in their prime being alive, they used to live in uh, Roselle, New Jersey. We used to go to Roselle every Sunday. And Sunday dinner would be around 2, 30, 3 o'clock. Grandma's in the kitchen making a big pot of gravy. No, not the brown stuff. No. We call in northern New Jersey, in certain aspects of the Northeast, certain Italian-Americans called sauce gravy. So and this is red sauce? It's red sauce, red but, sauce. The, but it's got the meat in it. Oh. It's got the meat. It's that, got the sausage, yeah. the meatballs. Oh. So, yeah. So, gravy. that's why, yeah, it's called oh, gravy. Okay. See, I'm teaching you I something here. Yeah, yeah. I'm learning. So, and my mom, and okay. my mom, when she married into the family, was dating my dad back my, they married in 1984. My mom learned how to make gravy. She learned to make Sunday gravy. So that was always a tradition. Even still, when we moved out to Pennsylvania in the early years, Sunday dinner was the do. And if it wasn't in our house, we're going to my grandparents or we would go to my, my dad had two, has two younger brothers and a younger sister. So we'd go to my one uncle's house or we'd go to my aunt's place, whatever. And we'd have Sunday dinner over the years. But then we'd have other traditions too. Every Christmas Eve, even to this day, it's the seven fishes. We don't eat meat on yeah. Christmas Eve. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a God-fearing Catholic, so I go to church every Sunday, but then church is a must on Christmas Eve. We mm-hmm. don't go to church Christmas Day. We go to church Christmas Eve. Um, but then also, too, like, 
being ingratiated into the Italian-American um, culture, obviously. I could probably quote to you lines from The Godfather, Goodfellas, um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, yeah. Casino, and all the other, you know, funny, you know, cool-looking mob movies that were made over the years. And it's a big part of our, they were a big part of our Sunday discussions. We're big movie people, so we'd always talk like, you know, you know, what were the best scenes in those movies. and But then also, too, we would, you know, hear stories. My grandparents would tell stories from when they were growing up and then my dad telling stories of him growing up in Newark, New Jersey. By the chance, did you see, um, uh, did you, did you see, did you ever watch The Sopranos? Yes. Did, mm-hmm. did you see the prequel movie, The Many Saints of Newark? I have not. Check it out because okay. it's about the riots of Newark, New Jersey. My dad grew up in uh, Newark. They used to have, in the riots were big to do. They used to have, the, the National Guard came in. It was a really big wow. situation. Um, it was, you know, uh, a lot of uh, racial situations were taking place the african-american community was not happy with certain things and then you know yeah. there's a lot of turmoil uh within newark at the time and you know and newark had a big strong italian-american contingent there so there was some back and forth but like my dad he you know my grandfather used to tell him they lived in a three level house and he used to my grandpa used to tell my dad and his one younger brother my uncle yeah. john used to say don't look out the top window for fear of snipers what? Oh what? yeah, yeah, because you had the National Guard and whatnot, and yeah. you had certain things that were were happening. Um, it was kind of crazy to hear all those stories, but that, but outside of like some kooky stories like that, so, that's kind of how it was growing up. Whether you know, I was a little kid in New Jersey, even in my early years uh, out here in Pennsylvania. So, um, family's important at the end of the day. Yeah, family's the is humongous with us, you know. My parents, even to this day, used to, would tell my older brother, my younger sister, and I, when it's all said and done, the three of you are only going to be able to rely on each other someday because blood is thicker than water. You read, oh, Mikey, you just read my mind. I was yeah. just going to say blood is thicker than water. And, and really, that's who you have to fall back on is your, yep. your family, your yes. base, you know, and those select few close friends, you know, that you have with you. But at the end of the day, that's who you can really count on. So I want to kind of hit on, on two things. Do you know or do you think going back through your lineage like your great great grandfather or something was maybe a, a mob boss or anything like that maybe look i'm not gonna sit here and tell you that no way no i i did have family members involved yeah. in uh, the mafia i can't tell you specifically like who, who who and who but like do you did you see the irishman i did so that like i liked yeah. so like russell buffalino he was obviously what a big boss back in you know you had the Gambino family in New York, um, right. and amongst the other uh, families in New York, you know, I had um, my my grandfather could have been in the mafia. My dad said if he wanted to, but he he elected no. He wow. knew people in the mob. He had connections. He had yeah. connections, but was not involved. It's weird because even when my grandfather died, my grandfather died back in two thousand four. Um, some mob members, some mafia people yeah. showed up at the at the at the viewing and in, at the funeral, and wow. even my grandmother, my dad's mom a couple years ago there were a couple mob people that showed up and it's funny we have no specific ties right right. but we did have some cousins distant cousins that were involved and i remember looking at certain people my dad looked at me goes connected connected just whispering connected i'm like oh okay good to know good to know (laughs) people think i'm being facetious i I wish i was lying because i i people you know i the mafia is something i i guess you shouldn't be really proud of it you know i mean I don't know, but it's, you know, because at the end of the day, there were, you know, who's getting whacked? You know what I mean? Like, right, that was, right, right. Yeah, you know, that was like the, the big negative yeah, thing, but yeah. they did believe in family. Yeah. You know, they did want to 
do good things for their family. Better they their community. They better their community right. too. So there were a lot of good things, but there were yeah. some bad things. Just how they went about it. Just how cases. they went about it. So but, yeah. But uh, okay, if there's any mafia or mobsters listening, <laughs> Mikey's a great guy. His family's phenomenal. I was about to say, yeah. The we'll Sullivan's good... Irish were good people, all right? Yep. We're just working hard here. We're just working hard. <laughs> <laughs> the story took quite a turn. It did. And the last thing I wanted to hit on, because it, it resonates with me, is that Christmas mass the, the night before, we'd always go to midnight mass here at my grandma's church she's singing the choir and everything mm-hmm. and you know they'd always light the candles and uh yeah that was just uh, a moment to kind of hit home because you know my grandmother had a stroke so now she's in the home she hasn't been singing or anything but right. you know it's still like brings back memories yes you know yeah so i just i'm, I'm glad you brought that up because i'm like man that's a small world because i remember that too you know what they say nowadays you know talk politics you don't talk religion but nowadays yeah. you know it's funny in light of what's happening with demar hamlin from the oh buffalo bills you yes. know you had dan orlovsky and espn praying live on the air i thought that was a beautiful thing mm-hmm. like and, I think so. and, and it's funny because you had people you know i'm sure they didn't know how to take it but it was very it was a very positive reception so you know i think um sometimes you got to get over the fear factor of you know of well if i say it could be the bad thing you know sometimes if you're strong in your conviction you go, mm-hmm. you go with it. Um, so, but for like your grandma, you know, obviously, you know, she's got a beautiful voice. She can sing like, and that's where there's, that's where the family moments time in. It's a big part of what's really allowed me to, I think, have success in my career because I've tried to really strive on the values and teachings that my family instilled upon me. Lessons I've learned from over the years. I feel like my parents, um, they went through a lot in their life. My older brother uh, went through some stuff in his life and, you know, you learn from people. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, I was taught one word growing up and I always try to instill it and everything I do is respect. Yeah. Respect to me, uh, you know, it was ingratiated in my brother, me and my sister. My parents said, if you do anything in right, you have to respect people. You may not like everybody that you deal with in your life, but if you respect them, he goes, you're like, he goes, things will go pretty well for you. Yeah. So totally agree. Respect is, is, is huge. And that's what my grandfather, he's 84 now. And I don't know if you ever met him. He still comes in. He's he's nuts. They broke the mold with him, and he has so many one-liners and things, and uh, he knows everybody, and everybody knows him. But uh, when I first started selling, going out on the road with him, it was a similar thing um, with respect. You know, you treat the person holding the door the same as – or the person mopping the floor is the same as the owner or the boss or the head of marketing because at the end of the day, you don't know what connections they have or, or who they may know. So just, you know, yeah, be respectful, like how you'd want to be treated. Yeah, it's, it's at the end of the day because, like, I give my credit to you. It's funny. Because I know you and your dad and others here at Color Tech and even people listening that are salesmen, salesmen, saleswomen, that have to go pound a phone or have to go knock on a door or, you know, regardless of what the item sells, I feel like that's, you can, I think, yes, can you teach a salesman? I believe you can, but I do believe mm-hmm. being a salesman is a learned behavior because you have to have, and using it like using it loosely, but you have to have a killer mentality. Yeah. You have to, yeah. because at the end of the day, you sell, you're putting food on the table for your family. I'm too nice. Like, it's funny. My dad, yeah, he's done extremely well for over 40 years as a salesman. My mom did very well as a woman back in the late 70s, you know, in the mid to late 70s, um, when women were still trying to find their way. She did pretty well in, in her market. My brother, before, you know, he took some turns, but he sold, you know, my, he worked for my dad's company for a little bit. He sold, and he had that killer mentality. My sister's an attorney. She's an assistant prosecutor in oh, Essex wow. County in New Jersey. She's got a killer mentality. Yeah, yeah. I got, like, all the nice jeans in the world, I was going to say, you I, got them all, but... I got yeah. all the nice jeans. And not that my, my brother give you the shirt off his back. Right. My sister, right. she's a bleeding heart despite her tough demeanor. 
me, I'm just too nice. Yeah. I, I, Nothing wrong with being a good people, guy. The, the running nice. gag at work is, yeah. everyone says, ah, oh, Ventola thinks everyone's nice. Vent, everyone, Ventola gets in, the day he gets married, he's inviting everybody to his wedding because he thinks everyone's a nice guy. <laughs> I think that will help if it hasn't already with your career and what you're doing. You know, I mean, when I, again, going back to when I first met you at the Fighting Phil's, I'm like, I think this guy is the head of fightings. Like, he is the GM, you know, because you have that persona about you. You carry yourself at a high level, um, but yet you're so nice and kind. Like, when I first met you, hey, Sully, this is what you're going to do. This is where you sit. You know, any questions, let me know. Meanwhile, you're doing all this other stuff that, again, I didn't even know because it's my first day at the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you had so much stress and pressure, but yet you handle it with a smile and, mm-hmm. and you're professional about it. So I want to go back to high school, you know, college, things like that. Yeah. Did you play any sports? Because, again, I, I didn't know. And then where do you think the drive for baseball came from and the love for baseball? Well, did I play any sports growing up? So I played Little League baseball, but I retired when it went from 60 feet to 90 feet. Okay. I retired in Little League. I knew my baseball career. My dad says, he goes, Mike, you were smart. You just knew when you were done yeah. eight, playing baseball. But I'll get to why my love of baseball still grew despite me retiring. Okay. I actually grew up playing soccer. I was uh, a decent. Whoa. I was a you know I was an okay soccer player. Got to as far as eighth grade, and then it's funny people are gonna you know listening are gonna say ah oh, Mike you're an idiot. But the head coach of the um, of the varsity soccer team at my high school he coached me and my group of buddies that I grew up playing soccer with. We were kind of just played soccer together in we're almost like a development team just growing. He yeah. took us in when we were seventh and eighth grade because he wanted to see what the next wave of talent was going to be, and he pretty much told me. In a nice, as, as he possibly could say, uh, you're, you're never going to play for me at the varsity level. Oh, dang, cutthroat. So, yeah, I mean, which is... Honest, brutally honest. No, it's brutally say. honest, but yeah. maybe that should have motivated, motivated me to work harder. Mm. But what I ended up doing was, and to me, I don't regret it. Yeah, yeah. I started playing golf when I was eight years old. I played varsity golf oh, in, in uh, high school. Oh, I didn't school. know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. played uh, three years, uh, sophomore through my senior year, and it was the time of my life. The head coach, Coach Roof, um, he taught my brother in middle school so he kind of knew me a little bit he knew my parents um so when i tried out you know it was it was nice it was a good process i still had to make you know i'd still had to submit the scores he wasn't really cutting anybody it's just whether it was i gonna play i think i got like two or three matches my sophomore year i just i was i did not play as well as i should have my junior year um he was hoping for me to be a more of a consistent score i struggled golf is a very mental game why Tiger Woods was so good for a long time is he had the mental capacity to not choke. Yeah, I was a choke artist. I couldn't make okay. the I couldn't make the big putt. Yeah, couldn't make the yeah. big putt solely. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, I was kind of like Phil in those early Phil Tiger right. years, battling back and forth when Phil missed mm-hmm. the putt, which is crazy because Phil's, in my opinion, one of the best short the best. games in the history yeah. of the game. So I played golf, but when I went to college at Immaculata University, that's where my announcing career started. Um, shall you say? But um, my love for baseball was always, you know, since I was born, you know, my dad, um, it's my dad's favorite sport. My dad played in high school. He played all the way through high school. I've seen the newspaper clippings. He was, he was a good high school pitcher in, in, uh, growing up in New Jersey. And, uh, he threw a 12 to six curveball. He actually had a scout from the Cincinnati Reds. that really liked him, Oh, but he couldn't throw his fastball. wasn't fast enough. Uh, I think he was high eighties at best ooh. and they weren't going to, you know, yeah. you had to be at least in the nineties, right, you know, right. but he had yeah. a curveball, and they're thinking, I don't think back then they had the. Nowadays, they can get guys to throw harder. I don't think they had as a lot of that. Plus, then 
it ended up being a blessing because if he goes, took yeah. that shot, I'm probably not sitting here right now. Wow. Probably, who knows where Isn't I could that be. crazy? It's amazing the decisions our parents make in life that lead yeah. to us being, being born. Here, recording yep. this podcast. Recording this right podcast now. where I want to be. Um, yeah. But my older wow. brother had all the, had all, he, he got all his baseball genes. So my older brother, so re, I'm not saying because he's my older brother, but he was so freaking good playing. He was a catcher. Um, he caught junior and senior year of the varsity at Easton. Um, defensively, he was insane. He had a pop time of under two seconds from home wow. to second base. Yeah. My brother had a terrible year at the plate his junior year. Senior year, though, he hit 350. Um, and ended up getting a scholarship to Division One Fairleigh Dickinson in Teaneck, New Jersey, which is very north. If you're actually going towards Yankee Stadium in the yep. Bronx, yeah, yeah, they have the George Washington Bridge. Teaneck is actually like a town or two before the uh, okay uh, the George Washington Bridge to get into the Bronx. He ended up uh, going there. He uh, didn't play much his freshman year, but then he dropped out after a sophomore year. My brother. It's funny when I was younger when he first had this situation, I was always embarrassed, but then. He told me a long time ago, people ask, he goes, you tell people, uh, my brother's a recovering heroin addict. So my brother, when he was in college, he um, suffered, he he was injured twice. He tore his rotator cuff, his career oh, ended yeah. due, to, in, due to injury. He had an opportunity to get, uh, he was going to get signed, um, He you know, to go play in the minors at one point. And um, from there, things turned south. Um, so, um, but like now, you know, he's over 10 years sober. He's married oh, with two, he's married with two beautiful children. Yeah. Um, so, but not to get too off track, but because of my dad and my older brother, mm-hmm. is how I fell into the, if I, how I fell in love with baseball. But I always said to myself, well, I'm not as good as them two playing it. Right, so right. what can I do to get involved in the game? Mm-hmm. I grew up a diehard New York Yankees fan. I remember my dad taking me to Yankee stadium and I remember, uh, you know, I grew up with, you know. The Yankees winning the World Series four of those five years in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And I remember, you know, my, we'd always listen to the Yankee game on the radio. John Sterling, it was John Sterling and Michael Kay. Now it's John Sterling and Susan Waldman. And I remember saying to my dad, I go, Dad, what are, they, what are these announcers doing? What are these, you know, what are these announcers? He goes, they're describing the game on the radio. And from there, I always wanted to be an announcer. I, I'm infatuated with, as growing up through high school and being infatuated with the announcers on TV. And then it really escalated when I got to college. Um, you know, going to college outside of Philadelphia, getting in tune with Phillies games for the first time, watching Harry Callis call oh, baseball man. games, in my opinion, one of the greatest of all time. Um, you know, and then, you know, from there, I was able to, when I was in college, tell you a little bit more about how I ended up going to the school I did, but that's where the love of baseball came. Family again, family, Sully. Yeah. Family again, Sully. Family. It's all about family. You know, so, yeah, definitely shout out to your brother. That is, it is phenomenal. Do you still golf? I want to. I, want to I still golf. Still golf. My okay. dad and I golfed. Um, that we as we record this on January fifth. My dad and I golfed on uh, Monday, January second, because it was like sixty degrees. It was nice. It yeah, was nice. So it, it was real nice. I mean, the ground was kind of hard, and the <laughs> yeah. greens were. We didn't have the best putting services, yeah. but. It was fun right. to go out. Well, if if you know if the Iron Pigs uh, do anything, I know the Fightings did like a glow ball or something. I have I have a foursome. We, you know, we definitely want to come up and support you guys. Or yeah. or if I need someone for a foursome, please call me anytime. Okay. All right, I'm not you, good. I don't care. Do okay. you do you have fun? Oh, have fun. All then that's all that matters. Have music, I, drinks. I'm know? not one of those. Even though I play and I you know want to score well, but like I was drinking beer on the course last Monday. Oh, like to me, like yeah. I bring beer. I go. 
I go, I don't do it as much anymore, but I'll bring a cigar once in a blue oh, moon. Yeah, good smell yeah, cigar. Yeah, good smell cigar. Yeah, See? I can dig it. Okay, exactly. Mike, I didn't know that. Hey, look, you look bring your, you bring your bourbon. So, I will. Yeah, let's go. We'll have a great time. All right. Courtney, you know, um, I was about to say, yes. my, your, everybody, your wife is going to absolutely hate me if she, you go out and around with me because <laughs> I might have to drive you home. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, that's what, hey, that's sometimes those are the best, uh, you know, best memories sometimes. Exactly. Um, so now to college life. You said uh, Immaculata, right? Yes. Is that, okay, Immaculata. What was what was that like? What did you go there for? And then you know, kind of the transition from there to uh, what what came after, I guess. So when I was in high school, as we all, you know, you know, we're trying to go. Yeah. Where do you want to go to college? Right. I my first choice was Temple University. Oh yeah. They had, they had a really good broadcast school, and right. you know, and um, I really wanted to get in. Um, I had good grades in high school. I was a B plus student. My grades were good enough, but I was, a sh- uh, I'm going to swear folks. I know you've heard it, but I was a shitty SAT scorer. Oh, uh, score. damn, I, uh, the stupid SATs. Um, I was terrible. My goodness. Stevie wonder would have taken a better <laughs> test than I would have. That's my uh, grandfather's one liner all the time. Yeah. Stevie wonder. Hey, <laughs> yeah. gra- grandpa, if yeah. you're listening, <laughs> that one's for you, pal. Yeah. Um, it, it was just so because of my SATs, I couldn't get in the temple. That was my first choice out the window. Okay. My second choice was this little school in St. Augustine, Florida. They had sent me something in the mail my junior year of high school. I looked at it. My mom and my dad goes, why don't you apply and then you go visit. Flagler College is located in St. Augustine, Florida. They had a little broad, uh, broadcast uh, division, but communications was more of a focus. Excuse me. And um, plus with uh, us having our vacation place in Orlando, it's like, okay, Florida, been to Florida, love Florida. So yeah, yeah. my mom and I, we fly into Jacksonville, we do the tour. We, I loved it. She loved it. She calls my dad, she goes, if Michael gets in, we'll have no problem because we'll be close enough. You know, my parents, you know, they didn't want me to go too far because I'm like, oh, they're going to miss me. But so, but I, once again, the SAT scores, they failed me again. So I end up getting, um, I open up the mailbox again. Because at that point I applied to Lock Haven. Okay. I got into Lock Haven. I applied to Fairleigh Dickinson University, not the Division One athletic uh, campus in Teaneck, but there were Division Three athletics located in Madison, New Jersey, yeah. which is a really nice nice area of New Jersey. Actually, where the New York Jets uh, have their complex in Florham Park, it's oh, a lot wow. of lot of money, yeah, a lot yeah. of money, high end, high end, high yeah. end that 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 end. So, um, I got in there, but I felt like those were like my fourth and fifth choices. I was like, so I opened up the mailbox one day and I get this information sheet from Immaculata University and they say well you know you apply you get some academic money so on and so forth I read I said okay my parents go Mike what's the harm right you apply yeah yeah. I applied you go it's just another option I go fair point fair point right Right. Uh, who am I to say at this point my top two choices are out the window I apply they accept me and now my SAT scores were stinking but I think part of it too was my grades were good but um, Immaculate University used to be an all-women's school for many, many years. Used to call, used to be called Immaculate Immaculate College. It's ran by the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, great group of nuns, and um, actually, Immaculate College is the birthplace of women's college basketball. No way. Yes, what? I can. I could take it down that tangent if you want, but I'll get to that in just a moment. So yeah, please, yeah. Touch um, on that. So going back to how I'm a God-fearing Catholic. So growing up, going to church every Sunday. I, being 34, was born in 1988. 1988 is a year, is what's called the Marian year. It's a year of our mother. So Jesus' mom 
I apologize if anybody isn't religious. I, you know, I, I promise it won't be too long, but for those who are religious, you'll enjoy this. So, um, history lesson. Yeah. History like, this yeah. is more a history. Listen lesson. up. People, so, listen up. Yeah, so, um, when I was born, uh, the priest who baptized me, Monsignor, Monsignor Paul Bokiki, was a longtime family friend because my dad's dad, my grandpa, uh, he was a deacon in the Catholic Church for over 30 years. So he ends up baptizing me, and then he says a special blessing to the uh, to Jesus' mom, the Virgin Mary, just kind of like, hey, look over him. Yeah. I am convinced that she had a plan for me to go there. Like, I, I felt like it was oh, divine, interve- di- yeah, divine intervention for me to go to Immaculata. Um and there, the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary were just, they were awesome people. They had a lot of lay people too, everyday folk teaching and the profession, professors and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I ended up majoring in communications with a minor in public relations. Um, and, you know, my dad, you know, because it was funny, my mom was in Florida. I had been accepted. So my dad said, let's go and check it out. We're walking around. It's a beautiful campus, dude. Like it's drop dead yeah. gorgeous. Um, it's just outside of Philadelphia. It's in uh, Malvern, Pennsylvania, kind of near where Westchester, oh, okay. Paoli. Up, yeah, yeah, that's a nice area. You know, yeah, yeah. it's beautiful and um, located there in Chester County. And uh, my dad takes me and we're walking on the campus. He's like, this is awesome. I go, yeah, this is really cool. And the admissions counselor is with us and going over all the facts. And I'm like, okay, communications, got my major. This is all good. And then she goes, you know, we used to be an all girls college and we're still heavy women here. Um, it's a seven to one girl to guy ratio. At that point, my dad looked at me, he goes, if you don't fucking sign here, he goes, you are an idiot. At that point I go to her, I say, yeah, let's go. There. So I, that's where, I, I so where do I sign? I, I, I did what I had to I do. And, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and, um, seven to one girl, to guy ratio. Um, now my girlfriend, I've only, we've been together over a year. Didn't meet her in college. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but All anyways, right. but that's yeah. the ironic part. I was in college. You think I would have met my yeah, wife yeah, there? Think. The odds, didn't the happen. <laughs> so, I ended up going, and and when we had the accepted students day, and I was talking to Sister Elaine Glance, who was overseeing the, because they had a communication department and the English department together. Yeah. So okay. she, you know, and I kind of explained to her, and she, and my dad, then she goes, look, she told my dad, she goes, look, we are going to prepare your son to become an excellent speaker, an excellent writer. We're going to teach him aspects of business. We have professors here that will, he will learn the business side of communication, public relations. And I feel they feel like that's helped me become very, you know, become successful in a lot of ways because a lot of the radio and the TV broadcasting stuff I do, I've, I learned on the fly. Yeah. You know, yes. Do I need it? Probably needed to go get some teaching at some point. Yes. But I had some really good mentors and good people that taught me over the years that got me into the place that I'm in now. And I ended up just getting involved in the athletic department for four years. I was a public address announcer for my freshman year for different sports. And then when I started doing play-by-play my junior year, they had they brought in internet streaming. They didn't have a radio station. So okay. I ended up just doing internet streaming play-by-play like a lot of local colleges and high schools do now. Yeah. So, um, and then that's how I kind of got my start in broadcasting. Wow. So your move then from, from college, what was it after that? Um, was it, you know, play calling for for local high schools and, and getting paid? Because I know like our local high school here uses uh, the local radio. You know, they come out and set up and everything and then they'll call the plays over the radio that way. So like, what was it after college? Did you have a plan? Did you, in- was it an internship with the Fightins? Was it even the Fightins? I don't even know. It wasn't the Fightins. So what okay. happened was, um, you know, when I was my junior, in order for me to graduate, I mm-hmm. needed to have, I needed to complete a full internship. So, um, my junior year, my, um, 
we had a, we have a camp we have a campus ministry department. So Jessica Morell, who's running the campus minister, she's a good friend. Uh, her younger sister ended up going to college at Immaculata with me. She was two years after me, and her family, though they're from Pittsburgh originally, their dad uh, years ago had moved them down to Augusta, Georgia, because of business. Hmm. And they had said to me, "Hey, you know, there's a um, you need an internship. There's a minor league baseball team in Augusta, Georgia called the Augusta Green Jackets." Um, you know, because they knew I wanted to get into professional baseball and they, um, they had done some work as game day employees there. And, um, Jessica got me in touch with her sister because this was my junior. So Amanda wasn't in the college just yet. She was getting ready to come in. And, um, anyways, so she gets me in touch with, uh, the director of entertainment for the team, uh, Stephanie fish. And I interviewed with her and she hired me. I was a uh, promotions and entertainment intern, and I moved to Augusta, Georgia, and wow. spent the summer in Augusta, Georgia. And I moved in with Jessica and Amanda's. They have an older sister, Erin. Um, so I moved in with their mom and dad, who I met for the first time after driving down to with uh, with Amanda, yeah. driving down to um, Augusta, pulling the driveway, meet them for the first time. I got my suitcases and stuff, and. And that's how I got involved in minor league baseball. I was a 21-year-old, not paid intern, um, and I got to learn how to learn a lot of the day-to-day operations of minor league baseball. Yeah. So it was in a small town in Augusta, Georgia. I drove by the Masters every day, drove by, um, but they have that place guarded more than the White House. Like Fort Knox. Like like literally, you can walk by the White House and see the White House clear as day, but the ivy and the bushes, you can't see into uh, the Masters. Masters. It's it's crazy. Wow. It's insane. So, but at 21 years old, I'm in Augusta, Georgia, in the Deep South, you know, and I got this northern New Jersey accent where people are like, what's the, what the the hell, what's what's this guy from? Where are you from? Yeah, exactly. But slowly I had the time of my life and I knew right then and there, uh, this is, I knew this is what I wanted to do. So, um, and then while doing my internship there, I then had the opportunity to, you know, she, Stephanie, God bless her. Um, she knew, and I had a lot of fun and success working for her, but she knew I wanted to get involved in broadcasting. She used to put me with the team broadcaster, Eric Little. I used to do games with him from time to time. I yeah. have my first tape. I was so bad. No way, you do? I, I have it on a CD. Oh, it was so friggin' bad. Yeah, that's awesome but, to have, but it, But it was awesome yeah. to have. And then from there, when I graduated college, um, I then actually was a game day intern with the R. Phils back in 2010. Okay, 2010. And that was kind of my first introduction to the R. Phils. Um, I had interned with, um, my during my senior year, I interned for the Danny Badaducci morning radio show for 94WISP. My final semester, my my senior year, getting up every other day at 3.30 in the morning to drive into the city. Oof. 5 a.m. shifts, man. No. Fucking awesome. Forget that. Uh, the stories <laughs> I can tell you about Donnie, yeah. Danny Bonaducci. Uh. For anybody who watched The Partridge Family, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but... um. And then from there, um, the Iron Pigs, I was their uh, pre- and post-game show host back in 2011. And then I actually got my first lead broadcasting job um, with the Southern Illinois Miners of the Independent Frontier League in 12 and 13. And then I was hired as the voice of the R-Fills back in 2014. Yeah. Wow. So you were there in, in, in 2010? Yep. Wow. And then you came back for 2014? I came back. Jeez. Holy cow. Um, and, and I wanted to shout out to... So if I got this right, you went down to... Augusta, Georgia. Yep. For an internship, knowing that you're not, you, there's no money. 
No money. I went for free. You went for free. I went for free. I feel like a lot of people, especially nowadays, a lot of younger people would would not even consider that. But yet you knew this was like a passion of yours or yep. and, and it could be a good future career. So you're like, you know what? L- let's do it. Yeah, it was. So well, yeah. in two, that was what, 2009. So like, okay, okay it's 2023. So that was what, 14 years ago, right? Yeah. yeah. 14 years ago, life was different. See, mm-hmm. the laws were like, yeah, I can go work and not be paid for a summer. And they didn't have to worry about labor laws even to that point. Nowadays, yeah, you got to pay. If you work, you got to be paid. Yes. If you not, that's you're getting you're in a big time trouble. So, um, but it was uh, and it's funny. I had some outstanding summers in minor league ball, but that first that first summer, I mean, I was 21 in Georgia. Like yeah. the amount of beer drinking I did down there was insane. Okay, <laughs> but I learned a whole yeah. lot though. And God bless. Um, oh, they got uh, good food down all, there. Southern all, cooking, all and the sweet tea and everything. And, and the it was. Oh outstanding um the church i used to go to um uh, saint mary's on the hill beautiful church catholic church um used to go there um as much as i could um was great and i tell you i told my parents at the time i go i'm gonna marry a southern bell one day yeah Ooh. <laughs> i was didn't... i was in love down there i was like yeah uh, i was like the old bugs bunny cartoons when his <laughs> eyes would become hearts and the heart pounding yep. out of his chest so yeah um so 2000 and i didn't mean to cut you off that's fine go but, ahead but 2009 uh, an unpaid internship yeah to like you said now 2014 with the with the r fills and getting this uh this opportunity um to be their, what do you call it, lead broadcaster? Yeah, to be their radio voice. The radio voice. So tell me about that. You know, who was the guys back then? You know, I, I know a little bit about them, but yeah, I'd like to get some background on that. So it's always funny how I got this job. And, and solely, and I, and I know you've talked to other working professionals on your podcast, and you talk to other local business people, and of course, friends and folks you know. And I'm sure, you know, we... You hear the old phrase, it's not what you know, but who you know. Oh, yeah. Connections. So, connections. And connections paid off in a big way. So when I was the studio host for the Iron Pigs back in 2011, and even though and during my time a little bit with the R. Phils back in 2010, I worked up in the press box with the R. Phils back in 2010. I was doing like uh, stats or what they had a position called press box attendant. Um, Tommy Viola, the media relations manager at the uh, director at the time, he had hired me as a game day employee. He had a full time intern, but he cre- he helped get me in it as like a game day uh-huh. person. I pretty much worked every home game I could, um, and he had me do all these sorts of positions. And then I got to know their radio announcer at the time, Brian Seltzer. He would bring me on to do like some some stuff during the pre show and the post game mm-hmm. show, and then he let me do a couple innings with him, which was really cool. Um, but then. I, when I got hired by the Iron Pigs to be their studio host, I got to know a guy by the name of Steve Degler. Steve Degler is a, was the longtime radio announcer for the R. Phils for 18 years. Okay. He was done after the 2008 season because when the Iron Pigs started in 08, he, he's been with the Iron Pigs since year two working for the Service Electric Network. Um, they're a TV company based up in the Valley. So they do a lot of high school stuff. They oh, do okay. they do every Iron Pigs home game. They do every Lehigh Valley Phantoms home game. So with, from there, and then also too, when I was in Augusta, I got to meet some other teams like radio announcers and whatnot. Just kind of meeting people, just other teams and people coming in and whatnot. Whether it was in Augusta in 9, Reading in 10, and in Lehigh Valley in 2011. So... Um, 
Steve actually got me my helped me get my first gig with the Southern Illinois Miners back in 2012. His best friend um, was the vice president of the team. They were looking for a radio okay. and a PR person. I applied. They hired me. Um, I was there for two years. Awesome years. My first year called the championship. It was unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable two years there. So after the 2013 season, I came back east. Um, I do a lot of freelance work. So outside of Service Electric Network, doing high school stuff, I work for NJIT. They are a uh, Division One uh, college in Newark, New Jersey. And at the time, for a number of years, I worked with uh, Wagner College in Staten Island. They were Division One. Their Division One program as well. Doing women's basketball. Okay. I've been doing been broadcasting women's basketball for 12 years um, at the Division One level. So I go to a Wagner game. I'm, I have a game, and this is in the winter of, I think at this point, this is probably, tw- this is what, probably late 2013, early 2014, December, January. So Wagner's playing VCU, and uh, John Laser is the he was the broadcaster for VCU at the time, but he was at the time um, the broadcaster uh, for um, the Richmond Flying Squirrels, the Giants mm, Double A mm-hmm. team, and they play the R Phils quite a bit. Yeah. So, anyways, moving it along, um, I go up to John. Said, "John, you don't know me, but I know a good friend of yours. Who's that?" He goes, "Jay Burnham. Jay was a broadcaster with the Trenton Thunder. Jay and John knew we, and then worked together in Richmond." He goes, "Ah, oh, you know Jay." And we started talking for a while, and he goes, "Me." Mike, um, just want to give you a heads up. He goes, a good buddy of mine who's currently the radio announcer for the R. Phils, Anthony Opperman, he's stepping down. He goes, if I were you, I would, you know, reach out to the R. Phils and, and see if you want to apply. So I, and this was like right before the basketball game. So I'm kind of excited. I get through the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm driving home from Staten Island, New York to Eastern Pennsylvania. I call Steve Degler. I go, Steve, I go, are you, I go, what do I do here? He goes, Mike, first of all, your name's kind of been mentioned already. I go, wow. which is oddly enough. He goes, yeah. um, he goes, why don't you go home, send your information to Scott Hunsinger, the GM and, um, go from there. I apply to Scott. Scott gets back to me relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, not that night, but I think it was like the next day or so. And he said, Mike, thanks for reaching out. Um, you know, um, our, uh, media PR director at the time, Eric Scarcella, he goes, Eric will, uh, be in touch with you. Um, brings me in, it does a do a phone interview. Yeah. Um, and one thing leads to the next, I get hired. I get hired to be the radio voice of the RFLs. I'm jumping for joy. Like, I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing in the world. I go from independent baseball to double A. It's a big jump. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and I owe a lot of that to Steve and to John and, some, and to a lot of people to help me get to that point. And then from there, I was with the RFLs for five years. And then they had let go Eric late during the 2016 season they brought me on where i was they brought me on full time where then i became the public and media relations director and you know still the lead announcer for the r fills and that's how you and i met back yeah. in 2017 brought it full circle brought it full circle yeah. holy cow so you know your time at the r fills and and even now were there any mentors or people that helped you along the way that, that you want to shout out? Anyone in particular, a couple people? Yeah, so I talked briefly about Steve Degler. Steve's a good friend. Um, you know, I think it's funny for a guy like Steve, and I know he would, like, be – he's funny. Most announcers, believe it or not, yeah. Um, announcers realize that you're kind of there to support everybody else. You're not – it's not about you. Right, right. So I'm sure if Steve were to ever listen to this, he'd be like – this ain't about me, kid. Um, but <laughs> now Steve's been an outstanding uh, mentor to me. He's still a mentor to me to this day. I call him. We we talk for 
45, 50 minutes at a time. And, you know, I'll bounce stuff off him. And sometimes he even bounces stuff off me. Um, but during my time with the Art Phils and even prior to that with Southern Illinois, and, you know, he was he's really been there for me. He's been a great person. Also, too, um, I mean, you know, uh, Matt Province, who was the longtime uh, voice of the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, he went back to me for a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, he really um, vouched for me um, with my current gig at NJIT when I was leaving the Art Phils to come to the Iron Pigs to take over for him. He yeah. went to my current boss at Kurt Landis and said, look, you need to give Mike some consideration here. So those two really have gone to bat for me. But, I mean, there, there are countless people you meet along the way. Like, it, I can go back to Stephanie Fish, who hired me back in 2009. You know, I got a little Tommy Viola, who hired me in 2010. We talked so much. He's now the VP of communications for the Charlotte Knights, the AAA affiliate for the Chicago White Sox. We talk a lot, you know. Um, you know, I could sit here and name other people, but... You know, those folks specifically, you know, really helped set me up to where I am today. And, you know, I'm grateful because even my role now here with the Iron Pigs, like, you know, I've had to work hard. I like to kind of define myself as a classic overachiever. I'm not going to lie to you, so I'm not the most talented person in the world. I didn't have the proper schooling to become a, you know, like a lot of these sports broadcasters you see on television. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, but I've been fortunate enough despite... You know, my upbringing, which is a beautiful upbringing, my parents, my brother, you know, you guys heard me enough talk about my family now. All that comes in together, helped me set up for success. You know, without all those people, my family, my friends, my mentors, I'm not here today. And you know what? I've been very fortunate in my career. You know, I had a cup of coffee with the Phillies the past few years doing spring training games for them, mm-hmm. you know, for the Phillies, you yeah, know, to, yeah. you know, I haven't done a regular season game yet, but still even to get a spring training game when guys are in the minor leagues 20, 30 years and they never even get a lick at spring training wow. before even a regular season game. So, yeah. you know, I, I've been very fortunate, but I owe a lot of it to, um, you know, a lot of the people I mentioned also too, like I said, Scott Hunsaker, the GM in Reading, um, you know, he's just a good guy and really cares about his employees there. And all the, and all the folks in Reading really believed in me too. They kind of allowed me to be me, my five years in Reading doing radio and then, you know, doing the PR stuff. They kind of let Mikey V be me. Yeah, yeah. Because if I told them, I said, "Look, I go, I, I get it. You need shit done. I'm gonna get it done. But sometimes I'm a little unorthodox and I right. do my stuff. And I promise you, the done. job will get get done. And you know, Springy will tell you, Nelly will yeah. tell you, Tanya and them will tell you. They're like, yeah, Mike, he's a little nuts, but he gets the job done. Yeah. Don't sell yourself short. Um, you know, of course, all those people, right? They 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 helped you, but you're a phenomenal guy. And what you're doing and the steps that you're taking, from at least from my an outsider's perspective, right? I mean, I'm not biggest baseball fan and i can't i don't i don't i don't know it as as you do i mean it's your life but like i said you're just you're motivated you don't do anything half-ass you're nice you're friendly um and like you said you get stuff done when you're asked and and you have your own way about you but you know i i see big things and i see you keep moving up the ranks as, as far as i'm concerned and i look to see you one day announcing a phillies games you know what i mean <laughs> that's that's where i see you being that's just me that's just me and, and maybe you'll go somewhere else to another team or something but you're, you're doing phenomenal and it, it, i think it is a lot of, of you you know and uh, and your motivation your upbringing and your your positive mindset that's what i think no, i appreciate it man it's uh you know i always sit along the way that you know i'm gonna try to keep my head down be grateful um you know i you know i i've been very fortunate you know people have my some of my closest friends were the high school college even my girlfriend now you know um we've been together over a year and you know, some, some, some people ask, would you ever 
because not everybody can get to the big leagues. You know, there are 30 yeah. major league baseball teams. You know, you have, you think about it, you have one play-by-play for radio, one play-by-play for TV. That's what, 60 jobs in the entire country. Yeah. You know what? I have no regrets. Like if, if AAA where I'm currently at is the farthest I will go, I have nothing to be ashamed of. No. You know I mean, oh, no. I, I, yeah. I can die. I, I can seriously die a happy man. Like, you know, I, I don't want to go. I want to go through this life, make sure I have no regrets. So I've been very fortunate. You know, I've had a taste of the big leagues, you know, this past uh, playoff run for the Phillies, um, getting to the World Series. Yeah. I The Phillies public relations team, I helped them out throughout the playoffs. So I was in the press box, you know, as those World Series and as those yeah. NLCS and NLDS games were going on. It was the time of my life. You know, and um, it was so much fun. You know, I think of a lot of those players that are currently wearing Phillies uniforms that I got to know in Double A AA and Triple A. I rode the bus with. You know, I got to right. know those guys, know their families, um, you know, know their wives and girlfriends. And you know, it's just, it's really cool to kind of see them all, you know, come together. So, um, it's one of the benefits of getting a chance to do what I do. And the fans, to me, without fans, I don't have a job. Oh yeah, I have. I have been very fortunate, Sully, to meet some great fans. A lot of them. First Energy Stadium there in Reading. A lot of them as well, too, up at Coca-Cola Park in Allentown, where I'm currently at. But, you know, even some of my other stops in southern Illinois and even my, you know, early years, uh, even in Augusta, Georgia, you know, just fans, big part of what yeah. I do. So. Yeah, and I want to do a, a quick shout-out to uh, to your girlfriend. I don't know her first name. Courtney. Court- no way. You yes, have a Courtney. Courtney, too. I have a Courtney. Shout-out to Courtney. <laughs> Mikey's a great guy, and, and uh, you know, you got a Courtney, too. We're moving We're Phenomenal. moving. We're moving in together in February. Oh, so. congrats, oh. man. And that's a big step. It's a big step. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, it's funny. You know, I, I get it. you're married. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. some there's not I don't have I don't have like really much anxiety. I feel like it's just natural. Good. I That's mean, great. I, well, my dad goes. That means that means you really care That's about the this right girl. one. I go, I, exactly. Yeah. Well, my dad said to me, he goes. He goes. You fucked this up. He goes. You're gonna be solo your entire life. They they love her. <laughs> That's my great. family That's loves huge, her too. Yeah. Or, or the parents and everything. How did you? Did we talk about how you all met real quick or no? Uh, hinge. The dating app. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, the yeah, dating yeah. app. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, that's fine. My best friend, he got married. They have a baby girl. Wow, that's great, Mike. It happens, you know. Yeah. What I, mean? uh, I was fighting that system for a long time, thinking I can go out. But nowadays, yeah. it's there's so much. Oh, it's like uh, you know, it can be second nature. I mean, it's yep. it, why go to a bar and waste time? You get that rejection or something when you can be on your phone, and, and that's great. No, seriously, that's Thank awesome, you. phenomenal. So shout out to the Courtney's in our lives. Let's the do Courtney's, that. Absolutely perfect. I want to quick touch a little bit more on fighting fields, and then get on to the Iron Valley Pigs and the the move from AA to AAA. But why why you're at the fighting fields? Is there a certain game or something like, for instance, uh, I know my wife and I we loved and we still do the hot dog vendor Jacks, right? Yeah. And that song, I got a hot. Dog, hot dog, dog hot dog for you, hot dog for you. It's just like so catchy. so catchy. Yeah. So what? What was the moment, or what did you really enjoy there? If you could have one or two, I mean, as many as you want, really. Well, I could sit here and tell you, I probably my favorite moment on the field um, was probably, believe it or not, a lot of people would say, you know, and I've answered this differently over the years. You know, I've given a lot about the home run chase between Reese Hoskins and Dylan Cousins back in 2016. That team got knocked out in the first round by the Trenton Thunder. It was a fun year. Reese was unbelievable that year. Dylan Cousins was, they were both unbelievable that year. But I think my favorite season in Reading, mm-hmm. sadly before your time, was the year prior in 2015. That okay. team should have won the Eastern League Championship. We uh, won the division. Uh and then we had, we faced the Binghamton 
they were still the Binghamton Mets. Now that the Rumble Ponies, we sweep them in the first round, and then we go we go the we go the full distance of five games against the Bowie Bay Sox. We wow. lose in Game Five. Uh, that team was that from an off field that season was so much fun. Um, we had a great team, good players, um, had some fun moments on the bus rides and going to different cities, you know, in town, you know, all the towns throughout the Eastern League. But yeah, yeah. Of all the moments in Reading, um, I tell you though, my interactions with the fans, uh, you know, um, there's some great fans that I've got a chance to know. I mean, you mentioned about the hot dog. When, yes. When when and this goes to my fa- the fans. So Doug and Joanne Slichter. Uh, diehard fans. Um, their son Andy actually works. He's a game day worker for the Yard Fills. Um, works up in the press box. Good dude. And Doug and Joanne, they've been season ticket holders here for forever. I feel like um, Jacks would always saw the hot dogs up in the up in the radio booth. Yeah. In my early years, I couldn't catch them. So one day they brought in this fishing net. No. And from there, the fishing net sensation was born. Yeah, I always wondered. I always wondered so, where that came from. So it, because of me, and um, wow. and because of Doug and Joanne just giving it to me, and Jax would throw it up there. I would catch it. Crowd would go insane, <laughs> yeah. and the crowd would lose their minds. It, I felt like, and that was funny. That was like my little way of being part of the game entertainment. I'm up in a booth. I'm talking for three hours, and I kind of felt like that was my way to give fans something to look at. It got to a point where it caught on where. Jax would be, you know, the hot dog vendor, he'd be going, you know, up the third baseline as he's coming back towards home plate. I would get out of my seat and people outside my section or two, they would start looking up sections over, start yeah. looking towards me, looking him. They're like, is he going to make it? Let's go. It became, right. a, it became a thing. Yeah. Um, Pressure's on. Pressure was on. Yeah. And, you know, it, sadly, poor Jax, it was, most of it was up to him because if anything close, I was catching. Yeah. yeah. Um, but his arm, there were moments and he's a strong dude. Oh, I, would, yeah. I wouldn't want to go one-on-one with him. No, he, no, no. I would just lay down and just, he could pin me and be <laughs> right. done. Yep. Um, and there'd be moments he'd have a sole sh- sh- shoulder. He'd be like, Mike, not today. So, all right, I go, I'll play the part, but he, I would know or he would, oh. or sometimes he would airmail it over the stadium because okay. he was so strong. So, yeah, yeah. Um, right. But then also too, Sully, like, you know, you know, Knowing you, knowing George, just the people. I feel like the people with the R fills, whether it's the front office who I've spoken glowingly about, but the fans, people, the community, that is a special place. Mm-hmm. And it will always have a special place in my heart. I've been fortunate enough now. I go back and visit. I go, you know, try to get back to a game or so, you know, when the pigs are off or whatever, because I don't travel with Lehigh Valley like I did with Reading. So even when the team's on the road, I try to get down for a game. Um, I just love them down there. Those yeah. people are fantastic. So, you know, not only Doug and Joanne, but John Wool Young was another season ticket holder, good friend. Sadly, passed away to COVID nineteen uh, over a year ago. So, but um, and then just some of the other folks I got to know, Disco Briscoe, yeah, doing, the, doing yeah. the Briscoe, yep. doing the you know doing the Disco, yeah. and Matt Funk and his uh, splits that he would do, and yeah, um, you know, uh, real and, good people, real good, you know, real good, and you know the game day employees as well too. Some of the you know. Uh, you know, Justin Choate on the PA when he was there. Um, uh, now he's our public address announcer up in Lehigh Valley. You know, yeah. A lot of the other game day workers um, were just fantastic. So, uh, yeah, those that's those come things that really stand out to me during my time yeah. there. Oh, I definitely agree. So good, good salt of the earth people there with the R fills. So now, how did the move? Come from, like I said, going from a double A to triple A. I remember hearing about, oh, you know, Mikey V's moving on or he's leaving the fighting fills and I, you know, I was shocked myself i'm like oh i met this great guy and now here he's gonna move on but of course happy for you at the same time but so how did that work out so full disclosure so um i think this was in january of 2019 so um 
it caught wind that my ment- one of my mentors, who I talked about, Matt Province, he was with the Iron Pigs from year one, 2008, through the end of the 2018 season. He was getting an opportunity to become a public relations contact for uh, the San Diego football team in that Alliance Football League that yeah, came yeah, that one yeah. year. Yep. So he got that position. So they had opened it up to where they were just going to have a seasonal radio announcer and a full-time media relations contact. I sent Kurt Landis, the GM, an initial email, said, you know, look, um, I'm interested, but I'm, you know, I still have a desire to be a broadcaster as well. Right. And he said, Mike, thanks for, um, he got back to me really quickly. It was Mike, I appreciate it, but, you know, we decided as an organization to just hire a seasonal radio announcer, but make our full-time position in media relations, just street media relations, no on-air stuff. So I just said, Thank you and good luck. And I was ready to stay in Reading. Mm-hmm. So I loved it. Like at that point, yeah, I was like, okay, yeah. I'm in a great situation here. Right. I go, I love everybody. Everyone, you know, gets along with me. Like yep. it's a beautiful situation. But then I get a call from Matt. This was like day, like a week or so or whatever it was as it goes on. He goes, they're having a tough time finding people. Ah, okay. So I said, Matt, I go, Matt, Kurt obviously doesn't want any announcer. I go, I, ca- I can't be a seasonal guy. I go, I'm in my, you know, mid to late 20s. You know, I think uh, at that point, yeah, I'm, I go, I need to be full-time. I need benefits. I go, I need medic, you know, right. I need, you know, I need medical yeah. care. You know, you need your, I need dental. Like yep. I need all that stuff. I can't take a seasonal gig. No, I right, go, right. I need to put some money aside. Not that mm-hmm. I'm making, not that you're making a million bucks in minor league baseball. And he said, well, you know, I think what he's willing to do is that I said, look, I'm not even saying, I get it. You know, he doesn't want me to travel. I go, but if he's willing to, I go, I just want to have a presence on the air during every home game. I go, even if I'm not on all nine innings, but just give me my X amount of innings per night. I'm willing to talk. He, yeah. goes, he goes back to Kurt. Kurt says, and he goes, he goes, all right, give Kurt a call. Kurt's willing. So I talked to Kurt for a little bit on the phone. He goes, Mike, we had like a five, 10 minute conversation. He goes, look, come to the office. I think it was on a Friday. He goes, come to the office that Wednesday. I go, um, two hours. I'm in a two-hour interview with him. Whoa. I walk out of there. Later that afternoon, he calls me back. He says, Mike, you want the job? At that point, I was like, okay. And in full disclosure, too, because I'm not sure if you, you know, I'm sure, because I told everybody in Reading, like, why I left. It was an opportunity. I go, I was in a great spot in Reading. But if there ever was one team that could have pulled outside of the major leagues that could have pulled me away, it would have been the Iron Pigs. It's in my backyard. It's, ah, it's true. It's, it's right. in Allentown. I'm from Easton. Oh yeah. It's Perfect I go and fit. it's double A, triple A. I go and yep. kind of people were saying, you know, maybe Mike is ready for it at that point. Yeah, yeah. And that oh, was yeah. it. And that was and that was it. I, I tell I can I've said this publicly on any sort of interview thing I've been on. I've said it when I've been in any Iron Pigs, uh, you know, I told WFMZ TV this, I've told news outlets, I said, there is nothing negative about the RFLs. That place is awesome. Yeah. Like I would tell people, I go, you want to go work anywhere in minor league baseball? Go work for the RFLs. And Mm -hmm. in addition to us here at the Iron Pigs, like I I think the Philadelphia Phillies have the best minor league setup in the country. Their, Their GMs are great. Kurt's awesome. Scott's awesome. Uh, John uh, Ricuti, who's the GM it for the Jersey Shore Blue Claws, they're the Phillies high A team. They're great. Um, even the team down in Clearwater, where the Phillies have their spring yep. training, the Clearwater Threshers. 
you can't go wrong. Like because the Phillies have an outstanding belief in their minor league system and they believe in their, in their minor league front offices. Yeah. They have ownership in all these teams. So some more than others. So for me, I'm like, why don't I want to leave the Phillies? And I go, but diehard Yankee fan. Like my dad goes, would you go work? I go, no, I have no desire to go work for any of the Yankee affiliates. I yeah. go, no, I go, I'm, I'm spoiled. The Phillies spoiled me. They flat out they took, spoiled they me. They took care of it. And they yeah. took good care of me. I said, I go, and not just the minor league teams, not just Scott Hunsinger and Kurt Landis and, and all the R Phils and the Iron Pigs, but like every time I've gone to spring training in Philadelphia mm-hmm. or in Clearwater cool. or I go, yeah. or go to a Philly and see the Philly people, they don't treat me like I'm some schlub. Like, you know, they accept me as one of their own. Yeah. And I go, how do I say no to that? Right. You, you know what I mean? And so, and that's yeah. kind of what's so special about why I've been able to, been so fortunate is why I'm so grateful. Why I've yeah. been able to do what I've been able to do. So your move then to the uh, Iron Pigs, do you have a, because I wanted to ask, what's a recent favorite achievement, something that you've done recently? Oh, with the with the Iron Pigs? Oh yeah. boy. Ooh, yeah. It's a good one. Because it's funny, we've done a lot. We've done some kooky things. At Coca-Cola Park, you know, I'm trying to think something. I know we, we, we started our own podcast now, Pig Pod. That's yes. fun. It's been fun. It's yeah. been fun. We kind of interviewed. Plug it for sure. Yeah, yeah Pig Pod um, started as just a way to kind of talk about the Iron Pigs brand, but we interview guests, whether it's Phillies people, uh, players, Phillies front office people, or just people that are sponsors with the Iron Pigs or some front office members. It's really cool. Uh, listen, uh Spotify. We also do a video portion on YouTube as well too. Go to oh, the Iron Pigs YouTube page. We have a whole set oh, okay. and everything. It's really awesome, Sully. But I'm trying to think. You know what? I think, believe it or not, of all the things I've been really grateful for, um, and it's kind of tied in between the Pigs and the Arfils. Uh, watching my broadcast partner, he's become a really good friend, Pat McCarthy. Mm-hmm. He's been now really getting close to following his dad's footsteps. He's been an opportunity to call some games up with the oh, Phillies wow. this past year. I hired him back in 2017 to be one of my assistants. He and Greg, I hired him and Greg Caserta back in 2017. He then left to go to the Pigs in 18, and then I came back, you know, to the Pigs in 19, and we've been together ever since. And you know, kind of helping mentor him, mm-hmm. you know, work with him has been really cool for me. Um, Greg had an opportunity to do two games for the New York Mets. A wow. season ago, yeah. Um, so watching both of my, you know, the ki- the guys I've worked with get big league opportunities yep. is re- really special. That's awesome. You know, I said, and I go, well, the students outdid the master. I said, that's okay. Um, yeah. But and also too, um, the Iron Pigs. My after my first season there, we got the uh, Larry McPhail Award, the top entertainment uh, club in all of minor league baseball. It was kind of cool to really get that see our organization get that award. You know, the Iron Pigs, they do a great job in entertaining fans. It's like the R-Phils do a great job entertaining. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. And that's, that's a big part of it. It's the biggest part of minor league baseball is putting yeah. butts in seats and how you keep fans coming back each night. That's it. So um, for all the listeners out there, it's Pig Pod. You know, if you like uh, the Iron Phils and you love uh, the Phillies, take a listen to it. Uh, who came up with that name? Is that something? Something you came up with? It or? was a combo. I think myself and uh, so I think a couple awesome. other, a couple of my other coworkers. We were kind of sitting one day. I would call it Pig Pod, right? Pig yeah, Pig Pod. Pod. Yeah, you know, it's got a ring to it. It's got a little ring. I to like it. It's it. Fun. So check that out, everyone. Um, so now, Mikey, what's uh, I want to hit on a couple more questions. Yeah, and then, please. Uh, yeah, um, your daily routine. What's that like now with the the Iron Pigs? You know, what's let's say a game day daily routine. What what do you do? How, what does it look like for those that are listening? Maybe want to get into you know, what you're doing a broadcasting and things like that. So if we have a seven Oh five game, um, I'll come in eight 30 in the morning. 
I will get in. Uh, first thing I will do is get upstairs uh, to the press box where my office is. Um, I put together the what are uh, called stat packs, just packets of uh, statistical information, get them printed for the coaches, um, the broadcasters, and then I actually just email a PDF version for our press when I send out my game notes. Um, I get to run those downstairs at the clubhouse, put them on the coaches' desks, so then they're not asking for it when they come in around lunchtime. I just get it done first thing in the morning. Then I'll go back upstairs, um, start working on my press notes. So I'm going to work on my game notes. It's all biographical, trends, streaks, statistical information for um, the other team's broadcasters, the media. I send them out to you know folks in Philly. Um, and it works, you know, and even send it to the PR guys in Philly, the broadcasters with the Phillies, um, just so it kind of keeps folks up to date with what's going on with the Iron Pigs. Then from there, um, uh, we have our online program, porkillustrated.com. You know, hmm. get make sure that's up to speed. I work with our social media person, making sure everything's laid out, good to go for that. Try to, you know, I eat lunch. Then it's once the team starts rolling and getting ready for the press to start coming in, doing interviews. So getting interviews set up with writers, Service Electric, they have a pre-show that they do that I co-host with. So it's doing interviews there. Um, and then also, too, getting lineups, getting them typed up, distributed. Uh, and then I'm trying to think what else. Um, if any, there's any credential requests, you know, press that don't come, you know, get them filled out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then um, after that, it's try to find some in doing all that too, it's prepping for the broadcast as well too, reading up on stuff. I'll get the other teams' notes and rosters, get them printed out. Um, I don't have an intern. I do it all myself, by the way. Wow. And then yeah. um, get the lineups distributed downstairs. Um, and then before you know it, it'll be, you know, go down, watch a little BP, kind of be around. If any other press wants to talk to guys after BP, get that set up. Then I go back upstairs, make sure the lineups are good to go, get them out, as I said. And then it's uh, try to get a bite to eat. And then before you know it, it's um, I get out to uh, we have a tiki terrace out in left field. It's where myself and the one announcer from Service Electric we host the pre-show on TV. It's a thirty-minute live show. Yeah. So um, I do that for thirty minutes, get back upstairs for first pitch, um, and then it's game time. Wow. And then sometimes when I'm not in the booth for I'm only in the booth for a handful of innings per night. Uh, when I'm not in the booth, um, I'm sometimes helping out getting content for social media. But every now and then, too, they actually have me involved in a game entertainment. I'm hosting like an in-between inning game or something yeah, like okay. that. Then okay. once the game is done, write my game recap, get box scores out, distributed. And then, you know, if there's any official scoring disputes, deal with that. Then once my game recap is done, I head home for the night. Sometimes that's if it's a 7.05, hopefully done by 10.05, 10.30. I'm out of there by 11.30, yeah. the latest. So there's some long days. Long days. Long days. But I would say at the same time, it's, it's rewarding uh, looking at it from – <clears throat> excuse me, my position, um, when I was doing the Arfields freelancing as a photographer, and I think you would agree, you can't get better seats. You know, being oh. being a part of, there we go, being a photographer, being a part of the uh, the team, broadcast, things like that. Sure, it's long, long days, but you're there. You're a part of the, if you are a part of the team. You right. Know? Yeah, and it is. And I tell people, I go, look, I think what's the coolest thing about the minor leagues is that, you know, whether you're a fan, a front office member, a game day employee, Exactly. You feel like you have a stake in what's going on. Because that's how I think a lot of fans nowadays and how, especially sports, mm-hmm. even life now more than, you look on Twitter, you look on everything. Now more than ever, people want to feel like they're a part of something. Oh, yes. You oh, got, yeah. And people want to feel like they have a, they, they've had a purpose, whether it's an impact in, you know, a 
political, you know, election or, you know, or obviously a perp or something happening at work or, you know, going to a sporting event, you know, I cheered a little louder, you know, that player struck out or, that, you know, or that oh, quarterback yeah. threw an interception in the key moment, you know, I helped mm-hmm. it. That's how people feel nowadays. And, you know, and, and we get a front row of that at the minor league level because stadiums are smaller. Oh yeah. Players yeah. are interacting more with fans than at the major league level. So it's really cool to witness. What would you say is your passion? When you sent me that question, um, you know, I think about that because that could mean so many different things. Like, what is my passion? And, you know, kind of boiling it down to a quote uh, in, in a sense of how I, because I'm passionate about life and passionate about the things I do and the people I love and the people I interact with. It was a movie that came out in the 90s called The Bronx Tale which has Palminteri. Um, and there was a, and I can tell you what the movie's about, but there's a line from that movie that has stuck with me. It's my, it's actually my mantra to life. The saddest thing in life is wasted talent and the choices you make will shape your life forever. That to me is the most profound thing that's out there because we are all given us some sort of talent in life. Mm -hmm. And the saddest thing we can never do is waste that talent. Only, you know what your talent is. So for me, my passion is to never waste that talent and be as all-purposeful as a human being as I possibly can be, being in, as nice as I could, to be courteous, to be kind, to, to be there. Um, I've had a lot of young announcers that reach out to me. I've tried to give them good advice, you know, do what I can to help steer them in certain directions. You know, people have mentored for me. Yeah, I'm taking a passion out to try to help those that want to get into this industry. I haven't had an unorthodox way of getting to where I've gotten to. So I can tell people, say, look, you can get there. I had, I didn't have the clearest route. Um, you know, I'd take some detours. I needed some, a lot of people's help, but I got there. Um, and I think that for me is what my passion is to, at the end of the day, to be there for others and to, you know, make sure that I'm doing, using my God given ability mm-hmm. to do that for people. Yeah. A great line, a great quote. Now I'm going to hit you with another one. What motivates you? I think what motivates me every day, my loved ones, I think at the end of the day, I know my parents, my brother, my sister, my girlfriend, my uncles, my aunts, my cousins, my friends. One thing that I think they all can say about me is that I give it my all each and every day. And I think that is what motivates. And I think that's what motivates me is knowing that because I don't want to let them down. You know what I mean? They have been so supportive for me. So what motivates me is knowing that if I give it my all and do what's necessary, uh, because this is the love I have for them, and I know the love they have for me. So, yeah. So that's what motivates me. Okay. If you if you had not said family, I, I kind of would have been shocked. I would have been taken <laughs> back a little bit because you know I think that's that is that's a big part of your life. So we're kind of wrapping it up here, but I wanted to because it's it's been on my mind since you mentioned it. Immaculata you had mentioned was where women's basketball started. Did we hit yeah, on that? And I'm we, sorry. If no, you did, it but. didn't. So what happened was. And women's basketball had been around for years and years, but it really wasn't on the map per se. So okay. you had um, Kathy Rush, who is in the Hall of Fame. Um, she was the head coach. Um, her husband at the time was an NBA official back um, in the in the late 60s and in the early 70s. And these women at Immaculata College where they didn't even have uniforms. They wore tunics. They wore like oh, these wow. these tunics with these skirts. These women back in 1972, 73, into the 70s, they were the first team to win three consecutive 
AIAW Championships, which is like now the you know now you have the NCAA. They got to play the first televised women's college basketball game. They got to play overseas for the first time Holy cow. as a women's college basketball yeah. team, and those championship teams. And they have some outstanding players, you know, and they had players that had gone on to be outstanding coaches at the Division One level. Reedy Muth Portland was a longtime women's basketball coach at Penn State. Marianne Stanley, uh, she coached at, uh, she coached in the WNBA. She's coached at the top level, the collegiate level. Teresa Shank, Teresa Grentz, now her married name, just herself just got inducted into the Hall of Fame. She coached at Rutgers, coached at the University of Illinois, coached the women's national team, mm-hmm. um, got them to, I think, a bronze when she coached them. So, And there were some other players. And Kathy Rush herself, you know, as I said, a Hall of Fame coach, what put them into prominence is that they were the only school in the entire country mm-hmm. that was adversely affected by Title IX. Of course, Title IX with being the... Yeah. You know, make sure women had the same, you know, if you have the same amount of men's sports, you have the same amount of women's sports, you know, you have to have, you know, gave women, making sure, and deservedly so, making sure that women had the same playing field as they did for the men. So then they were, at the time, like the Dukes, the Tennessees of college Mm -hmm. basketball on the women's side, but then they couldn't compete anymore because they were... They were ran by the Sisters of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. I mean, they had no money. The Sisters are a, you know, they don't work for money. You know, they rely on church donations and you know and and they had to rely on donations by alumni at the time to keep that college afloat um so yeah it was uh, and i've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of those women um outstanding women um and you know um uh, phil martelli who was a longtime head coach at st joe's his wife judy martelli played on uh those championship teams as well so wow right here right here in pennsylvania yeah exactly that's pretty neat part of history there Mikey, to kind of wrap it up, yeah. how can our listeners uh, connect with you, uh, connect with the Iron Pigs, and then follow along on your journey? So if you want to get, if you want to follow me, um, I'm a big Twitter guy, so uh, give me a follow, at Venting Daily. Um, I don't vent daily as much as I used to, but, you know, at Venting Daily. You can also find me on Facebook at Mike Ventola. Um, I don't go on Facebook as much anymore, but if you want to send, send a note, say hello, please be happy as well. Uh, I'm on Instagram as well, too, at Mike Ventola. Um, and then, you know, you can follow me, um, at the iron pigs as well too. get the iron pigs, baseball.com. You can follow the iron pigs on Twitter at iron pigs, uh, Lehigh Valley iron pigs on Facebook as well. Um, and like I said, our podcast pig pod, uh, be sure to check it out on Spotify and as well as uh, YouTube as well. If you go to the Lehigh Valley iron pigs, YouTube page, you'll see the episodes of pig pod right there. So, but that's how you're going to follow me along on my journey. So. Excellent. And for all the listeners out there, you know, before we close out, I always like to ask if there's anything else you'd like to say, but you know, I I want, if you're cool with it, to do a couple impersonations. And this will be the first time on the American Grown Podcast. Wow. You know, no pressure. You know, I, I'm not, I don't want to call myself an impressionist, but I think, you know, when you sit around and you're hanging out with your friends or whatnot, you like to be some fun. So, um, you know, I've been very fortunate enough to to work on some some key voices over there. One is a very prominent figure nowadays. One that I always like to have fun because it's the easiest one for me to do is is President Donald J. Trump. You know, Austin Sullivan. I had a great time talking with you. Mike Vandal had a fantastic time. You know, he thinks you're a great guy. You're a tremendous man. You know, it's great to see you. It's great to be here. You know, I can see why America grown, and that's the way it have to be. America first. Make America great again. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Oh, man. <laughs> Any others you want to throw uh, out there? I mean, I could do, like, cartoon characters like anybody else can. You know, like, I could do a little Mickey Mouse. Oh, boy. Ha-ha. 
You know, uh, you know, uh, that was really good. You know, your like, drum's good too. Every now and then, I'd like to do a little pop back. sleepy, and I gotta keep an eye on Pluto. Yeah, boy. You know, so ah, you know, like some wow. cool stuff like that too. I can, I try to do a little President Barack Obama. Look, here's the deal: my wife Michelle and I, you know, got a great time talking to you, Austin Sullivan. So. I used to do George W. Bush. Used to do John Madden. Can't do those yeah. anymore. Okay. They, they fell out of favor. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. they're amazing. So maybe you know, if heaven forbid, the broadcasting career doesn't work out, maybe some voice acting. Yeah, maybe some Disney. I mean, I, I holy would, cow! I always said I would like to try to do a little voice acting from yeah. time to time. It, but it's it's hard. You think it's easy? It's hard. You get yeah. an agent, and then from there that you have to be like, well, the agent sits there, go, show me what you could do. You know, build a bicycle. You know, what's the, the line from? Uh, from uh, from wedding crashers, make me a bicycle clown. You know, right, I mean, yeah. that's yeah, what yeah, I say. Yeah. Make me an impression. Yeah. You know, do with, me an impression, clown. Uh, yeah, with the balloons and everything. <laughs> Mikey, I, I like I said, thank you so much for coming here and joining me. Uh, I'm going to close it out. If there's anything else you'd like to, all right, perfect, I'm good, yeah, excellent. Mike Ventola on the American Grown Podcast in the Color Tech Creative Solution Studios. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, my brother. Awesome, Mikey. Thank you, man. Seriously. To see photos of today's guests and more content, just search American Grown Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at AmericanGrownPod at gmail.com.